Good morning. We are at the bottom of 9A, the last uh, couple of lines. I believe it's the last colon on the page. And uh, now that we've been discussing coming out of Egypt, we're going to talk about it more in detail. So uh, again, that colon. <clears throat> um, so this is a verse regarding the exodus from Egypt, and God is telling Moshe, Daberna, um, please speak in the ears of the nation. And what God was telling Moshe was that they should, the Jewish people should go and ask the Egyptians for um, for gold and silver and so on and so forth. So Rabbiana explains that the word na is a word of please, a word of um, please do this for me. So um, well, the question is, is what, why was God so emphatic? Please make sure that the Jewish people get gold and silver from the Egyptians before leaving Egypt. God was saying to Moshe, um, Please, I'm asking of you, Go and tell the Jewish people, That I implore of you, that I ask of you, the Jewish people, to make sure that you that you ask from the Egyptians, um, vessels of silver and vessels of gold. Now, why was God so emphatic? Shalom Yomar, last words on the line, last words on the page. And now we're going to flip to the next page. Shalom Yomar, in order that... Um, in order, Shalomar Osot Sadik, in order that Avraham, that righteous person, a reference to Avraham, in order that he does not say as follows that um, So this is a reference to a verse. God tells Avraham that one day his progeny is going to um, be enslaved and be afflicted. But then afterwards, the next part of the verse that God tells Avraham is that then afterwards they will go out with great wealth. So he wanted, God wanted to make sure that Avram would not be able to claim against God, that you fulfilled the slavery and the affliction part, but that they will leave with great wealth. You did not fulfill. So God wanted to make sure that they would leave with great wealth in order that Avram, that righteous person, would not have a claim against God. And then what was the uh, Jewish people's response or what was Moshe's response to God when God insisted that they take the time to go and ask the Egyptians for uh, gold and silver? Amrulo. Um, so the Jewish people would have told Moshe as follows. Um, if only we could just get out ourselves, meaning we don't have time, we don't want to start thinking about getting money. All we want is our own freedom. Like a parable can be said about a person that was caught, stuck in jail. Um, and the people would say to him, We will take you out tomorrow from the jail and we will give you money. Mamon Harbe, a lot of wealth. The Omer Lehem, and the person who's stuck in jail, instead would tell them, I'd rather, please, let us out, let me out today, and I will ask for nothing. Meaning, I would rather be let free right now than wait, even if it's with the promise of uh, great wealth. So, in the in, in, between the lines, that's what Moshe was telling the Jewish people. That's what Moshe, I'm sorry, would have been telling God. 
we are at the next, uh, we are at the colon now on um, 9b. We're going to continue to analyze the verses regarding coming out of Egypt. Vayish alum. So this is God saying, I'm sorry, not God saying, this is the Jewish people um, asking the Egyptians for the money. And the Jewish people, vayashilum, they gave to the Jewish people what the Jewish people asked for. So it's an interesting language used, vayashilum, that they gave what they were asked for. So Ami explains that this teaches that the Egyptians gave it against their will, that they were forced to give it. They felt they were forced to give it. Now there's two ways to explain what Rabbi Ami said when it says they gave it against their will. One is that they gave it against, the Egyptians gave it against their will, and one is that the Jewish people took it against the will of the Egyptians. The Jewish people took it against their own will. According to the opinion that it means that they took it against the will of the Egyptians, they have a clear verse that says it in Psalms, that um, she who waits divide. Oh, she who waits at home will divide the shalal, will, div will divide the bounty. So we see very clearly then that word Shalal or bounty is stuff that you take from your enemy against their will. And that verse is talking about coming out of Egypt, the Jewish people coming out of Egypt. So we see that it was taken against their will. Now the question is, why would it have been against the will of the Jewish people to take it? So back into the Gemara, it means if it was against the will of the Jewish people, it's because it was so heavy and they didn't want to have that burden when they were traveling in the desert. We are now at the next uh, colon. And uh, again, analyzing verses, it says that they emptied Egypt, and but it's an interesting word that they use, that the Torah uses to explain they emptied, what's the language of that word? Rabbi Ami explains that it comes from the word trap, that they made Egypt like a trapped that has no wheat in it, has no bait to trap. So they made, you know, they took all the this riches from Egypt, so Egypt became like a trap without bait. And Reish Lakish explains they made it like they made Egypt into a Metsula, which is the abyss of the water that has no fish in it. It's a completely barren um, area of water. So that's what Egypt became. Now we are going to continue talking about Egypt. This was going earlier where God promises that God will take the Jewish people out of Egypt to Moshe at the burning bush. So Moshe asked God, after the burning bush, who should I tell the Jewish people? Who is this God that's going to take you out of Egypt? What should I say? So God says, which literally means I will be what I will be. Tell the Jewish people that I will be what I will be is who is going to take you out of Egypt. What is I will be what I what I will be or that I will be? What does that mean? What's that? What's God saying? God was telling Moshe, go and tell the Jewish people. I was with you in um, this enslavement, and I will be with you in further enslavements by other kingdoms. That's who you should tell the Jewish people will take you out. So now, between the lines, because you have to understand, the way this verse says is, God asked Moshe, who, Moshe asked God, who should I tell the Jewish people is this God that's going to take you out? God says, I will be what I will be, or I will be that what I will be. 
But then God continues to say, this is what you should tell the Jewish people. I will be is the one who took, who's going to take you out. So why the change from I will be, that will I will be to I will be. That's it. So Amar Lafana Ribono Shalolam. So God, Moshe said, Ribono um, Shalom, God, master of the universe, Daya Litzara Bishata. Um, let them, they're, they're enduring enough suffering right now. So don't, don't let them know that you're altering to me with them in further enslavements. They don't need to hear about that. So, um, so, uh, um, so God had told Moshe and more lahem. You're right, Moshe. Tell them as follows. Just tell them that I will be, or I was, has sent me to you. Um, and that will just be a reference to the God that will, I will be the God that will take you out of this enslavement. It's always an interesting discussion when Moshe and God seem to have an argument as to what should be said, what should be done, and Moshe wins the argument. How is that possible if God's infinite and Moshe's not? That's a topic for further discussion. Okay. So now that we talked about the double language of Eheyeh, Sher Eheyeh, I'll be what I'll be, we're going to talk about another double language. This time it's with Eliyahu or Elijah on Mount Carmel. Where there is a um, where there is almost like a test between Elijah and then the prophets of the idol of the idolatry Baal, where each one offered a sacrifice, and the one whose sacrifice was consumed by a fire from heaven would be the obvious winner. And this was a test. This was a show of um, God to the Jewish people who had um, who had veered or had veered towards the service of the Baal. So it says, Anani Hashem Anani. Eliyahu says to God, please answer me, God, answer me. Amar Rebbe, this is um, upon offering the sacrifice, this is Eliyahu saying, God, answer me, answer, or answer me, God, answer me. Amar Ravo, Lamar Amar Eliyahu Anani, base Pamim. Why did Eliyahu say the word answer me two times? This teaches us that, God, that Eliyahu said to God, Ribono Shola, master of the universe, Aneni, answer me, Number one, answer me that a fire should come down from heaven and eat everything that is on the altar. And also answer me, Also answer me that you will make sure, change their minds, change the minds of the Jewish people that they do not say that this was witchcraft and wizardry, but instead will understand that this came directly from God. Shenemar, and we know that God is able to kind of change the mind of people. It says you have turned their hearts backward. You changed their mind. That's a verse from Kings. Um, at this point, we have reached a very important milestone. Congratulations, Mazel Tov. We finished our first piece of Mishnah and Gemara, and we are now on to our next Mishnah. Let us begin. We are going to talk about the time for saying Shema in the morning. We are done with this evening Shema. Now it's time for the morning Shema. So uh, you'll find this on 9b, Mem Taf Nun Yod, the Mishnah. From when can you say Shema in the morning? When it's bright enough outside that you can tell the difference between blue and white. Rabbi Eliezer Omer ben Tchilis Lakartir Belezer says it has to be even brighter out. Um, it's when you can tell the difference between green and blue. Ad And you could say the Shema until sunrise. The morning Shema until sunrise. Rishua Omer, Rishua argues and says you could actually say the Shema Ad Shalosh Shaos until three hours into the day, three halachic hours into the day. Shekain Derech Malachim La'amod B'Shalosh Shaos because that is the way of kings to get up at three hours into the day. So that at that point, it's still considered the time of rising. And as we know, the morning Shema needs to be said Uv Kumecha when you get up in the morning. People get up in the morning. 
But then it adds, If you read the Shema after the end time, lo hifsid, you do not lose out. It's not, you know, there's nothing wrong with it. You just, you didn't fulfill your Shema, morning Shema obligation, but it's ka'adam hakor b'torah. You get the same, it's, it's no different than somebody that just reads the Torah, which is also obviously a very wonderful thing. Okay, now we'll start the Gemara, Gimel Mem, the bold Gimel Mem on 9b. My bain Chelis Lavan. What does it mean when we say between blue and white? That could be many different possibilities. If you're going to tell me that it means being able to tell the difference between a pile of white wool and a pile of blue wool, wouldn't you be able to tell that in the middle of the night? It's a big pile of white wool and blue wool. You can see white wool in the middle of the night. You can know you will know the difference in the middle of the night. Rather, it must mean that we're referring to the tzitzis, the fringes that um, we wear on our four-corner garments. And you have to be able to distinguish between the blue string on the fringes and the white string on the fringes, which is obviously much smaller, much more difficult to um, tell the difference between. Tanya, we learned in a brisa. So now we're going to talk about other opinions um, outside of the Mishnah as to when you can start saying Shema. Remer Omer, Remer says, Mishiyakar ben Ze'ev lekalev, you can start saying Shema when you can tell the difference between a wolf and a dog. Rabbi Kiva Omer ben Chamor la'arod, you, uh, you could start saying Shema when you could tell the difference between a domesticated donkey and a wild donkey. Va'acherim Omerim and um Others say, You can start saying Shema when you see your friend from four cubits away, so between six and eight feet away, and you'll recognize them. And we'll see more about that. Um, Rav Huna, Rav Huna says, Rav Huna says the halacha is like the others, the, about uh, recognizing your friend. And then Abayi says, Amr Abayi, Abayi says, No, Litfilin ka'acherim. When it comes to the earliest that you can put on to fill in, that is like what the others said when you could see your friend from, when you could recognize your friend from a distance of four cubits. Lekriya um, Shema, but um, when it comes to Shema, Kivasikin, you should make sure actually that you finish saying Shema by the time you get to Vasikin, or you should say Shema at Vasikin, or at the time of Vasikin. What is Vasikin? The Vasikin, the very pious individuals, they would make sure to finish the Shema with sunrise. Um, and we have another Brisa like this that says, The Vasikin, the pious ones, would finish saying Shema actually probably right before sunrise. In order to make sure that redemption is said right before the morning Amida, right before the morning Shmona Esrei, and then you will say the Shmona Esrei the moment day starts, which is the second after sunrise. So that is what the Vasikin do, the pious people do. They say Shma right before sunrise, so that they are going to be saying Shmona Esrei, Right, then the redemption. Redemption is the blessing after Shema. So they'll be saying the redemption literally right before sunrise and Shema and the Shemona Esrei right after sunrise. And to this day, that is considered the ideal way to Davin. And there are Vasikin minions, Vasikin uh, prayer services all over the world. Um, probably the most well known of them is at the Western Wall. And that's this the sunrise minion, it's called. Okay. 
Omar Abzera, so now further about this sunrise davening. My Kra, what is the verse that teaches us the beauty of the tradition of saying Shema and Shmona Esrei right at sunrise? The verse says in Tehillim, in Psalms, Yeruchayim Shemesh Lifnei Yareach Dor Dorim. They will fear you with the sun and before the moon for generations. Um, so they will fear you before the sun would seem to teach you that there's a fear of God. There's a prayer that is, is prayer should be done right before the sun rises and right at that time. Hey, Rabbi Yossi ben Al-Yakim. Rabbi Yossi ben Al-Yakim testified, Mishum Kahala Kadishub di Rushalayim, in the name of the holy community in Jerusalem. Anybody that makes sure that um, that does rede- the redemption prayer right next to the Shmona Esrei, the Amida, um, will ha- be, will not be harmed the entire day. Omar Rebzeir says, Ini, is this really true? But didn't I one time uh, make sure to say the redemption prayer right before Shmona Esrei? And I was damaged. So they said, what, what was the damage that you incurred? So, um, what was the damage that you incurred? Was it because you had to bring a myrtle to the house of the king, to the royal palace? Meaning, what they were understanding here is that Rebzera didn't was part of a delegation that was going to bring this myrtle crown, this crown made out of myrtle, to the then king. And Ribzir did not want to be part of this delegation. He'd rather stay back in the study hall and learn all day. So he felt that if on the very day that on one of the days that he said the redemption prayer right before Shmona Esrei, um, and then had to go ahead and bring the myrtle to the king, that that would be considered a damage because it was something that he didn't want to do. So the answer to him is as follows: Hasam namimi bailach lemehiv agra lemechazi ape malka. That's not considered damage. You should have had to have you, you would have had to have paid a price. You should have had to have paid a price in order to see the face of the king. A person should always run to greet a king of the Jewish people. Not only to greet the king of the Jewish people, but rather even also to greet a non-Jewish king. So we see that that's something that is a very, it's a wonderful opportunity to have, Reb Zeros. You can't say that that's considered damage just because you didn't want to do it. You were wrong for not wanting to do it. Now, why is it important to even greet, to make sure you're running out to even greet a non-Jewish king? Because if you are if you if you're meritorious, if you merited, you will end up being able to see the difference between a Jewish king and a non-Jewish king. Meaning, if you merit to see the redemption, the coming of Mashiach, you will see that once again a Jewish king at the helm of the people. And a Jewish king is one that completely is subjugated to the word of God. So it's much different than what a secular how a secular king interacts with um, with the country. Amr Le Rebbe Illa'a. We are at the um, the period about seven lines up before the very wide lines. Amr le Rabbi Ula Ula said to Ula. This is more about um, making sure that you place the redemption right next to the Shmon Esrei. Amr le Rabbi said to Ula ki alas lahasam shal b'shlama derav Bruna achi. When you get to Babylonia, make sure that you ask about my brother Rav Bruna. 
in front of everybody, because that's a sign of respect. If you're asking about somebody in front of all the other rabbis, that's a sign of respect, because he's a great man, and he is constantly joyous when it comes to being able to fulfill mitzvos. One time, he had the opportunity to say the redemption prayer right before the Shemona Esrei, and a smile did not leave his face the entire day. Now we're going to talk more about the details of connecting the redemption to the Shemona Esrei. Now how is it really possible to um, make sure that you bring, the, say, the redemption right next to the Shemona Esrei? But didn't Rabbi Yochanan say that in the beginning of Shemona Esrei we say, those words, right before we begin Shemona Esrei, the first blessing, we say, um, Lord, please open my lips so that my mouth can declare your glory. Uba Sofu Omer, and then at the end of Shemona Esrei, before finishing, you say, May the words in my mouth be acceptable before you, and so on and so forth. But we see that there's an interruption. There's a, It cannot be connected. There's the redemption prayer, and then there's that one verse of God open my lips, and then the Shemona Esrei starts. So how can you say that we're connecting the redemption to the Shemona Esrei? When we talk about connecting the redemption to the uh, to the Shmona Esrei, that's when it comes to the um, that's when it comes to the evening prayer. But wait a minute. Um, I'm sorry, not when it comes to the redemption of the Shemona Esrei. When it comes to that prayer of Lord, open my lips, that's only in the evening prayer. Um, but in the morning prayer, you do have that direct connection between the redemption and the Shemona Esrei. But then we ask, or then we say, didn't Rabbi Yochanan say, who is a person that merits the world to come? That's somebody that connects the redemption of the evening prayer to redemption to the evening prayer, to the Shemona Esrei of the evening. So we see that even in the evening you're supposed to connect them, and if so, how could you say that you have to say the those words of, Lord, open my lips, right before the Shemona Esrei, you will, you will then not be connect, directly connecting the redemption to the Shemona Esrei. So, El Amar Belazar, Tehebet Filas Amencha. Rather, it must be, Rebbe Lazar explains, that you only say, Lord, open my lips, in the afternoon prayer. Ravashi Yom Ravashi argues and says, akulu. No, you could say the Lord opened my lips in all the prayers, in all the Shemona Esrei's, morning, afternoon, and night. And because the rabbis put it in as part of the prayer service, it almost becomes part of the Shemona Esrei, and therefore you still would be connecting the redemption prayer to the Shemona Esrei. We've learned this before, by the way, because if we do not say this, Arvis hechi matzisamech. Then even at night, how would you be able to connect the redemption to the Shmona Esrei? The habayil memer hashkivenu. Don't you need to say the hashkivenu prayer after the redemption prayer before the Shmona Esrei? Ella kivan detakinu rabbanon hashkivenu. But rather because the rabbis put in hashkivenu as part of the as part of the as part of the prayer service. Right after the redemption prayer, it becomes as if you were saying a long redemption prayer. So just as over there, it becomes like a wrong redemption prayer, and we still look at it as if you are connecting the redemption and the Shemona Esrei, so too in the morning here. Being that the rabbis put it in as part of the prayer service, it becomes part, it's as if it's a one long Shemona Esrei, and therefore there's, you will have still fulfilled the connection between the Shemona Esrei and the redemption prayer. Now we're going to talk about a um, another addition to the Shmona Esrei. Michti hayu imrefi. 
So um, these words that we quoted that we're supposed to say at the end of Shmona Esrei, may the words of my mouth be acceptable. Mashma Livasof Mashma Me'ikara would be appropriate to put at the beginning of Shmona Esrei and at the end of Shmona Esrei. May the words of my mouth be acceptable. That would make sense before and after. Um, sorry, Mashma Me'ikara And it also makes sense to say it in the morning, uh, before the Shmona Esrei that he wants to recite. So my time I took Nurabanan La'achar Yud Ches Brachos Lemu Me'ikara. So if so, why did the rabbi say that you only say Yul Ratzon May my May the words of my mouth be acceptable. Why did we only say that after the Shemona Esrei and not before? Amr Bihuda Brader of Shimon ben Pazi. Shimon Bihuda ben Shimon explains. Being that King David only said those words after the first 18 chapters of Psalms. So to the rabbis instituted it after the 18 blessings of the Shemona Esrei. But wait a minute. Now, just a little, uh, little question. Um, these words of "May the words of my mouth be acceptable." Those are actually not after eighteen psalms. It's actually after nineteen psalms. Um, so we answer Ashrei So we answer that the Ashrei which is the first psalm, the first chapter psalm, and Lama Ragshu Goyim. Why are the nations all mad, uh, all, all in an uproar, which is the second chapter of Psalms, is really considered one chapter. So, you, Lerotso, may the words of my mouth are really coming only after 18 chapters of Psalms. Dumber Behuda Brader of Shimon Pazi, because Behuda said on the name of Shimon Pazi, Kuf Gimel Parshios Amar David. He says that King David said only had said, had already said 103 chapters of Psalms, Velo Amar Hallelujah, and did not yet say the word Hallelujah. Until he saw the downfall of the wicked, Shinamar, as it says in the 104th Psalm, Let sinners cease from the earth and wicked people be no longer. My soul blesses God. Um, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. That's when King David said hallelujah, only after 103 chapters. Now, wait a minute. Now, the question is, is that really um, King David said this after 104 chapters, not 103. Rather, it must be the names of the first two chapters. Those first two chapters is really just one chapter of Psalms. And we will um, finish this discussion in our next podcast. Um, let's just quickly do a review. So we started with talking about coming out of Egypt and um, taking uh, taking bounty from the Egyptians. And then we got into God's name and what God said to Moshe, what you what you should say. And then we talked a little bit about double double uses of language. And then we started a new Mishnah, which is all about when you can say Shema in the morning, from when until when. We had a Brisa that had some other opinions. Um, then we got into the concept of Vasikin, Vasikin, which is saying Shema right before sunrise and Shmona Esrei at sunrise, um, or the Amida at sunrise. Then we talked, um, we talked about how special that is. And then we got into connecting redemption to prayer service, to the Shmona Esrei, to the Amida. Um, we talked about how uh, impactful it is on our day that we'll never be damaged. Um, we talked of for briefly about um, how important it is to go and greet kings, both Jewish and not Jewish. Um, and then we started talking about 
we talked a little bit more about um, the connecting the redemption to the to the Shemona Esrei. Um, how is that possible if you have the sentence of may my my uh, may my lips op- be open to praise your glory? How is that possible if that if that's there in between the redemption blessing and Shemona Esrei? How is it possible to ever fulfill the connecting of the redemption and the Shemona Esrei? And we talked about how once something was instituted, it becomes like a longer. It just becomes part of the prayer it was instituted before or after. Um, and then we talked about. Um, the words that we say before Shemona Esrei and the words after, and why the words that we say after we don't say before, and that got us to how many chapters of Tehillim there really are, how many chapters of Psalms there really are. Um, I think that that does it for today. Again, congratulations on the milestone. We have finished our first piece of Mishnah and Gemara together. Uh, I look forward to many more.